Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie, it's you, Jamie. Don't be alarmed, but I think there's a guy following you. Maybe we should get that guard dog we talked about? Nothing too scary, maybe like a Bichon with an attitude? You know, Progressive's collision insurance covers injured dogs and cats at no extra cost, so... Wait, the guy stood up when I stood up. He's on the phone. He's looking right at me. Oh, wait, it's just my reflection. Don't tell anyone about this. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Pet coverage not available in New Hampshire and North Carolina. On today's show, we take a look back at perhaps the worst loss of the season for the Hornets. And the Hornets getting national attention. We talk to Adam Mares from Vice Sports, who just wrote a great article on the Charlotte Hornets. We talk more Hornets before 9 a.m. than most people do their entire day. You are locked on Hornets. You are locked on, locked on, locked on Hornets. Your daily Charlotte Hornets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Hornets. Another week, another week of Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the man, the myth, the legend, He's never had a dress code violation, David Walker. That's because I never wear a tie and therefore never am expected to. <laughs> That's and right. Also, some other stuff that we can we can dive into that if you want. No, but. I know. We'll leave that to our, our good friend Steve Reed over at the Locked On <laughs> oh, Panthers podcast. If, if you haven't downloaded that, this might be the time because things are sure to get interesting. I heard Steve asking the questions to Ron Rivera at the press conference, and Ron very. Um, he just he didn't want to answer those questions. He didn't he did not want to get into it, but I'm sure seems Steve like, seems like he should have known those were coming. Of course. Of you know course. what's interesting, David, that the Hornets at this point in in their seasons are much more together than the Carolina Panthers. I would not have oh, man. that's and that, that's it, a low bar, but it's just so true. Well the thing is, like the Hornets have always been kind of a, a little bit of a boring team when it comes to those kind of team dynamics. And but at the same time, the, the the Carolina Panthers last season were such a well-oiled machine. You know, nothing yeah. like this happened, and you had you know the on-field success as well. And now this season, well, everything's a, falling apart. I feel like there's always been a perception that the Panthers have their stuff together, uh, for lack of a better term, more so than the Hornets. But it's clear from the record, right? It's much more of an up and down issue with the Panthers, whereas the Hornets. I think you could you could say now that it's a it's a you know been a steady uh, progress, a steady incline, if not staying just stable. You know what I mean? It's so I'm never it never ceases to amaze me how together the Hornets are as an organization, or how on the same page they remain. Because after this really tough loss that we're going to talk about in a minute to Minnesota, you know it, it they they blow the lead, they essentially choke that game away, another home loss. And, and Clifford, very expressive in the press conference about the physicality that the team showed or the lack of physicality that the team showed. And then, you know, so of course the press conference happens before the the interviews in the locker room. So the, the reporters who are at the press conference go into the locker room and they say, hey, Cody, hey, Kimba, you know, Clifford said this about physicality. What say you? And, you know, Kimba said, yeah, 
basically. And, and Zeller said, yeah, we were, we weren't physical enough. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> it's like you, you're expecting, yeah, but- <laughs> you, you, I mean, it's, it's, it's unexpected, I guess, because we see so many other organizations where that would have turned into something like they would have responded in a different way, but everyone somehow awesome. it's all, it's like, I'm watching an episode of Westworld. I mean, these guys are, by the way, Westworld. Season finale. No spoilers. No spoilers. But I will say, if you're not watching this television show, then you should be because it was one of the most. It's one of the most interesting, mind-altering television experiences I've had since Lost. Yeah, sure, fine. Wow, that's fine. That's high. That's high praise from you, Doug. But we maybe we'll dive into this once we get closer to the holidays and do a little binge watching. Uh, and a little TV comparison for our friends out there. Yeah, we got to find somebody who's like into all of this television that can settle some of these debates for us. We got to think about this. Okay. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every single day. Go to iTunes, search Locked On, and find podcasts on the NFL, including the Carolina Panthers, golf, fantasy sports. It's the fastest growing podcast network in the world, and it's daily, and it's local. Only the best, the smartest. People in sports are talking on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, David, let's start with the recap. The Hornets lost perhaps their toughest game of the year on Saturday. And once again, it was in front of their home crowd. The Hornets in control for virtually the entirety of regulation before letting this slip through their fingers. Frank Kaminsky got off to a great start, scoring eight of the Hornets' first 10 points. They were hitting free throws early. Kimball was quiet, but he was efficient, and the Hornets carried a 10-point lead into the fourth quarter. All is well, right? Well, that was quickly erased by the Timberwolves, who went on a 10-point run to begin the quarter. Under two minutes to go, Walker tries to bury Minnesota once and for all with a beautiful driving layup to put the Hornets up four. After a Wolves turnover, Hornets inbound to Kemba. Kemba gets trapped, but he finds Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller drives and kicks to Frank Kaminsky, who splashes a huge late game three to put the Hornets up seven. Less than a minute 30 to go. That's a backbreaker. That's game over. Last one out, turn off the lights, right? Wrong. The Hornets end regulation with three triples from three different players. Levine, Splash, Ricky Rubio, Splash, Andrew Wiggins in transition from way outside for the tie, Splash. All right, they head to overtime, and from the tip, the Wolves were ready to finish off a dejected Charlotte team. Minnesota starting overtime on a 7 to nothing run, and that was all she wrote. Wolves win 125-120. to Hornets fall to 11-9 on the year. Whew. David, this was about as bad as it gets in terms of losses, I think. By far the worst I've felt after a Hornets game this season. I can't imagine how those guys felt. By far the worst loss. I think we've been, or at least I've been, um, you know, been able to come up with some excuse for some of these previous losses, but this one was just a flat-out choke job, Doug. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday. We were both pretty upset. Like, and, we're, <laughs> and we don't actually have anything to do with the team. I don't know if any of you guys know that, but um, I mean, that's a horrible loss at home. That's a horrible loss to a team that's no doubt talented and has a good coach, a uh, great coach, but they've had trouble this year closing games out when they've been ahead. And so the Hornets, you know, completely faltered, let some three pointers fly that they probably shouldn't have. I mean, the guys that were shooting them are actually probably the guys that you want shooting them. Rubio, but start- Jang, yeah. I mean, they, they shoot under 30%, 25 and 23%, uh, right. <laughs> respectively. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess you take your chances with that, but that's becoming a theme, unfortunately. They're giving these wide-open shots 
to anyone. I mean, they're in the bottom. They're the, they're the bottom of the league as far as you know three pointers given up a game and and three pointers attempted by the opponent a game. And so that's something they got to get corrected. And that's something Lee Ellis talked about us uh, talked with us about um, when we talked to him last week. The perimeter defense is just not where it needs to be for this team. And the scoring is not a problem. I mean, what was what would they top out at in this game? It was over 100, obviously. Yeah, 125 um, for regulation. And then uh, they went into it over 100. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, no problems with the offense. And, and no. again, you see fourth quarter allowing the Minnesota Timberwolves to score 30 plus points in the third in the fourth quarter. That's just that's unacceptable. That's ridiculous. It, it, it can't happen. And especially as you said, against a young Minnesota Timberwolves team. That that they failed to close out games, and they were on the second night of a back to back, a traveling back to back. So right, I mean, and the I mean, the, were off. Yeah. yeah, I mean, every every opportunity to win this basketball game. What did you think about that Wiggins transition three at the end of regulation? Uh, it was kind of it was kind of transition. It wasn't completely transition. Nick Batum had an opportunity to defend that. Do you think he defended it as well as he could have? No. I mean, they talked about that after the game and said it was well defended. I mean, I don't think – I don't agree with that because even though, yes, he got his hands up and, yes, he forced – well, no. I mean, Wiggins just walked into that three, and it was a deep one. But coming across half court, don't you have to apply a little pressure? Don't you have to be up in his face a little more than that when you know you're up three? They need a three. Uh, and like, I mean, he's the guy, if he kicks it out to somebody, I mean, make him make a play. There was no resistance at all. Batum has long arms and can defend, but he was back on his heels. I mean, he was not the aggressor on that play. Um, and it didn't like to me that, you know, it was just another case of lack of concentration. I mean, at the end of a game, uh, after they'd given up threes, <laughs> as you noted down the stretch. So I know I didn't think he did into that play well at all. Three-pointers, not the only thing that the Hornets were giving up in this game. 14 offensive rebounds for the Timberwolves, four going to Carl Anthony Towns. He was, you know, we've we've criticized and others have criticized Carl Anthony Towns and his ability to defend the rim, uh, but he's such a factor on those offensive boards, and the Hornets allowed him to do that. That hurt them in the in the overtime period. It helped the the Timberwolves get off to that run. You know, it's interesting at the opening of that overtime period, I, you know, Jing hits the big three to put them up five. And that's what mm-hmm. I think people keyed in on. But I think it's interesting if you go back and look at the play before that, it, the, Tom Thibodeau essentially runs the same play, a horn set with Wiggins and, and Towns. And Wiggins breaks off of the horn set and cuts on the first play. And Cody who's guarding Jing in the corner doesn't come to help or doesn't come enough to help, and Wiggins gets an easy two. And then the next play, they run it again, and this time Cody completely bites on it and and wants to you know defend Wiggins and make sure it doesn't happen again. And that's what leaves Jing wide open in the, in the corner. So, you know, when we talk about perimeter defense, sometimes it's not just about, oh, well, perimeter defense, he didn't guard the guy at the three-point line. Sometimes it's about, you know, putting a string of defensive possessions together where you you again don't allow the offense to get into a rhythm. So in my mind, that Wiggins two really led to the Jang three. 
And, and, and I think if you talk to Coach Clifford, he'd probably agree that, you know, it's about stringing together several defensive possessions where you're not allowing the offense to do what it wants to do. And in the beginning of that overtime period, that Minnesota offense was allowed to basically get whatever it wanted. And again, we mentioned the Hornets were rested. The Wolves were not. But that's a young team. They have fresh legs seemingly all the time, and they wanted it more. And the Minnesota Timberwolves get the win. But the Hornets at 11 and 9, they fall to six in the Eastern Conference, but they are still first in the Southeast Division uh, thanks to Atlanta continuing to lose. Uh, they are on a six game losing streak now. They'll try to get off the Schneid soon. Some good things, though, David. Frank Kaminsky, uh, 8 of 16 in this game, 21 points, 3 of 7 from beyond the arc, 9 rebounds, 5 assists. I mean, one of his best games of the season. He started extremely well and was able to hit some clutch buckets at the end. Yeah, we just got to see the consistency from Frank, right? I mean, that's the big key. But, I mean, these are legit outputs. I mean, he's having a couple good nights of scoring and contributing in other ways. I think, you know, he was obviously exhausted the previous game, as, as were most of the guys. Um, and so had a bit of a tough stretch there for the last two games or so. But that's something you like to see, maybe play in front of the home crowd. I mean, I, you know. It's good to see. <laughs> I think you hit it on it earlier. I'm just I'm, I'm totally focused on if Marvin Williams coming back is going to help this this defense close out at all because uh, that's who Frank's playing in place of, and he's not going to help on on the defensive end, right? But certainly good to see from Frank if he can get back to the bench and can keep that uh, production up. You have to like that, right, Doug? Yeah, absolutely. I thought defensively he did a fine enough job on Carl Anthony Towns. That's a tough matchup for anyone, yeah. especially uh, especially a young guy like Frank. Uh, it was just on the boards. I mean, it just he can't he can't compete with with Carl Anthony Towns on the boards. Okay, despite that tough loss, the Hornets are still drawing the eyes of national writers. A lot of that has to do with the consistently stellar play of Kimba Walker, who put up twenty two points, nine of twenty two shooting, not as not as a, a good a shooting effort as he has had this season, but he continues to put up those brilliant fourth quarter performances. Vice sports writer and host of Locked On Nuggets, Adam Mates, wrote an article for Vice titled, How Kimba Walker and the Hornets Keep Getting Better. I had a chance to sit down and chat with Adam about his thoughts on the team. Let's take a listen. So, Adam, I, I love what you've done here. A very in-depth look at what is making the, the Hornets engine go this season. What got you interested in writing about the Hornets in the first place? Well, I was interested just from looking at the numbers that Kemba was putting up. None of the advanced stuff, I didn't get into that until after watching some of the games, but just some of the raw points per game uh, numbers. But really what got me into it was it was an assignment from Vice. So they were, you know, I was interested in writing about the Hornets, and fortunately they were also interested in having me write about the Hornets. So that's kind of how that worked out. What about Charlotte's scheme this season works with Kemba Walker to bring the best out of his game. I mean, obviously his statistics are improving, but how does Charlotte's scheme really work to to uh, bring out the best in Kemba? Well, I don't think it's a, a coincidence that his numbers have gone up for three straight seasons. Um, you know, I, I think they've kind of slowly tailored the offense to his skill set. One of the one of the ways I judge a coach is how well they utilize a player's uh, a player skill set, and I put this in the piece that I thought their offense. It begins with Kemba and what is he good at? How can how can we get him doing the things that he's good at? And it's and then it goes to Zeller and Kaminsky and Haas and Hibbert and those guys and says what are these guys good at and how can we incorporate you know that with Kemba? So it almost feels like 
and not all teams are like this, but it really feels like Charlotte's starting point was just how can we maximize these guys' skill sets. So that doesn't, I don't want to take anything away from what Kemba's doing, but they're putting him in the perfect position for him to exploit what he's good at. Um, and that is, you know, opening up the paint. You talk about a team that plays with two big guys, the paint is almost always open. They do a great job of if, if guys cut or if guys post, they post for a second or two and then get back out. Um, and that just allows – it puts a lot of pressure on the defense because obviously he's a great shooter. And so there's always this game of like, you know, we can't let him have the open shot, but he's so quick and he can get by us you know, off the dribble, and it puts the on-ball defenders in kind of a catch-22. So, you know, that's kind of the big-picture thing I'm seeing with him. And then the other thing I would say is his just willingness to take pull-up threes. When Steph Curry started doing what he's been doing for the last couple seasons, I'd say about three seasons ago when it really, you know, Steph Curry really broke out as this off-the-dribble shooter, I thought, how many guys in the league obviously aren't going to shoot the percentages that he is, but how many guys can shoot 30%? off the dribble and Kemba isn't a guy I thought of but I probably should have because he's shooting these off the dribble threes he's only making them at 34 percent which is actually really 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 good um it's low for threes overall but just the willingness to take that shot completely changes the way the defense has to guard you so I think those two things are the starting point for everything that the Hornets do on offense that, that has been so successful You mention a lot of positives in your article, but you also detail a few areas in need of improvement. What's one thing that you think has to improve if this Hornets team wants to make any kind of waves in the playoffs? I think they need another scorer and another creator. Batum is the creator. He, I think, he leads the team in assists, actually, um, and and he's really, really good as a as kind of seeing the court and a playmaker. I think he's a little too passive as a scorer, and that might just be his personality. I mean, he's never really been a high points per game kind of guy. But watching them, it, it's always three or four possessions a game where I think, ah, he probably should have been a bit more aggressive on that drive. He should have he should have looked for his shot there rather than, you know, be patient. So I think they need another guy that can be an off-the-dribble creator, kind of a get-you-out-of-a-pinch get you type creator, um, because their offense does stagnate. And then one of the things I always think about when I'm watching teams in the regular season is how are they going to be guarded in the playoffs? And as great as Kemba is, and as great as that double high pick and roll is, the teams are going to key in on that and say, okay, let's take this away. Let's do everything we can. And they're going to need a guy that that can kind of be the release valve for that to, to make teams kind of play him more honestly. And I'm not sure if they have a guy on the roster right now that can be that guy that puts up 25 points when they start hard doubling Kemba Walker. So that would be the thing I would say most is most important. Adam Mares there. You can follow him on Twitter at Adam underscore Mares, M-A-R-E-S, and go read his NBA wraparound series on Vice.com. David, some interesting thoughts there on Kimba Walker, what's made him successful, and what the Hornets may have to add or may have to look for in order to be successful in the playoffs. What do you think? Yeah, a lot of familiar themes, I thought, Doug. I mean, some stuff we've seen along the way. Uh, you know, another score, I think, is the biggest one, and, and that article is really good, and it goes into a lot of different stuff outside of Kemba as well. I mean, it's all kind of related to that, and the Hornets doing well as a whole. But some good stuff in there. Go to get a chance if you get a chance, go read that. But I think that also he mentioned, you know, the the offense in the playoffs, right? That's what we saw last year with Miami, and I'm concerned that you're going to start to see that a lot sooner than the playoffs, Doug. I mean, the way Kemba Walker is playing, 
and the way other guys are sporadic and stepping up. I mean, don't you think we're going to see? You're starting to see it already. I mean, in the Mavs game, there's two guys watching Kimbo the whole time. They're they're rushing him to get the ball out of his hands. So that's going to be something the Hornets going to have to deal with, you know, for the rest of the season. I think, don't you? If they don't make, and we haven't talked about trades a lot, but you know, that might start to become uh, something we need to look at because. I just don't know if, if, if guys don't step up, what, what else they can do. Well, it's funny to talk about the offense too, right? Because the offense seems to be right. playing well right. most nights, and it's the defense that has the issues. But I think that we're sort of looking more towards what the playoffs will look like as opposed to what they're able to do now because you can see they're blitzing Kemba Walker on the pick and roll late yeah. in games, and he's still able to find a way to score. But I think, again, you're going to see that be even more aggressive come playoff time. And I think one of the effects on Kemba that we don't talk a lot about in terms of having a second score, it allows him to become more of a distributor and more of an impact player in terms of uh, getting in there and nabbing a few rebounds that you wouldn't expect him to get. He did that really early in the season when a couple of other guys were, were clicking. And then as Batum's scoring uh, didn't really materialize, and Marvin Williams struggled, and Frank Kaminsky struggled to score, and then Jeremy Lamb got injured. Then you started you started to see Kemba take more of an active role in scoring. His field goal percentage started to dip, and he wasn't distributing as much. And again, that's not Kemba's fault. He just recognized, hey, these other players are struggling. You know, I, I've got to go out and, and and find and find some offense for this team. And I think he's done a great job of that, but. As we go later into the season, the Hornets are going to have to find a solution uh, for that second and third scoring option, uh, certainly. Uh, We'll have more from Adam on Tuesday night's live show. Subscribe to us on YouTube, Locked on Hornets Live, youtube.com forward slash Locked on Hornets. We're going to dig into some thoughts on Joel Embiid, James Harden, and much more. A little all-NBA talk there on Locked on Hornets Live. Okay, the Hornets play tonight in Dallas. Tip is set for 8.30 p.m. The two teams met just four days ago here in Charlotte. The Hornets picked up the victory 97-87. to Kimball Walker led the team with 18 points, and Nick Batum had six assists and nine rebounds. Dallas will still be without Dirk Nowitzki, but they'll have Andrew Bogut back for this rematch. He got a DNP rest in the previous matchup last week in Charlotte. Uh, David, we know Bogut can defend the rim, but Coach Clifford at practice on Sunday tipped me off to a big change in the Mavericks offense when Bogut is on the floor. And it's not really what you think. Bogut changes things with his passing from the high post. He quickly developed a chemistry with Wesley Matthews and the point guards on this roster coming over from Golden State. And they use that passing from the high post to find guys cutting to the rim. Here's a couple of situations to watch for in this upcoming game. First, Bogut high post. They'll fake a, a floppy type of pin down, a pin down screen that'll bring the guard you know, around and flare out towards the above the break area. But instead of executing that pin down screen, Matthews will slip towards the rim and then Bogut delivers a pinpoint bounce pass for the easy deuce. And how about another fake this time on a simple 5-1 handoff? It's something that teams are doing a lot and so you expect it to happen. This time, Andrew Bogut sets up above the break beyond the three-point line. The point guard comes off an off-ball screen and heads behind Bogut. Now everyone, the, the defense is thinking handoff, and they try to guard it as such, 
but the guard turns the corner quick and cuts towards the basket without the ball, and then Bogut zips a pass inside. It's another easy two. Not every center can deliver those kind of looks, David. The Hornets will have to watch for it. What are you watching for? Tonight, Doug, I'm watching to see if the Hornets can get out to a good start and put a Dallas team that will be at home and that will be looking for a win. They're still not tanking, still not tanking. Um, no, they beat the they beat the Chicago Bulls on Saturday. Yeah. Their next game after the Hornets, they beat the Bulls by twenty five points. Exactly. So I, I mean, that's what I'm looking for from the Hornets. They've got to get they've got to shake this off if they let this loss beat them twice. And we talked about this week. I mean, I think they've got to get three and zero. I mean, the world's not going to end if they don't. But <laughs> I think for them to get back on track because the following week is brutal. Uh, you mentioned they needed to go three and one. I think including the last game. So. I think you would agree they need to they need to win this week out. Yeah, definitely. And I think you have to keep your eyes on Wesley Matthews again. He was my player to watch when they when they played them on Thursday and Wesley Matthews went didn't one shoot of well. <laughs> No, he didn't. One of 11. And, and but he followed that game up again going to Chicago and shooting very well from beyond the arc. The, he is their go-to guy to shoot three-pointers and create offense. Again, I think you reinsert Bogut in there. It's going to open up a lot more things because you know they had Dwight Powell in there for Andrew Bogut, and he's not going to open up anything for you. I mean, that's a you know that's a that's right. a serious downgrade from Andrew Bogut. So yeah, you're right. Dallas is not going to lay down. They, this is a, a tough basketball team, and and if you remember in that first matchup, they played extremely. Uh, tough, intense defense. They will do it again. So uh, both teams are coming in with with at least a day of rest. So these teams are are, are going to have a duel there in Dallas. And the Hornets have the the good thing is the Hornets have played very well on the road. They just haven't been able to do it at home. They're going to have to come back home and play the Pistons on Wednesday and then the Magic on Friday. So th- those are two teams that will will definitely test them. They're going to have to improve that home record, just sort of looking at the overall scheme of things, moving away from the Dallas game for a second. They're 6-6 six and six at home right now, David. They were 31-11 and 11 last season at home. So they're already more than halfway to, to the number of losses that they had at home last season. That's not, that's not great. Not, not great from a sense that you need to win your home games to have a great regular season record, but also not great from the sense that uh, the Carolina Panthers not playing well right now. The Charlotte Hornets have an opportunity <laughs> to show the, the city of Charlotte, hey, you know, we're, we've got a new squad here, and, and they're playing really well, and we're doing good basketball things, and hey, Kimba Walker, he's going to be an all-star. And also we signed this Nick Batum guy for, for $100 you know, million plus. Come check us out. And then, and you know, we, you get Hornets fans or you get maybe casual fans leaking in, and to put up these stinkers at home, it's just not a good look. No, that's something they got to get corrected. Can't do anything about that tonight, Doug, but certainly later this week they can. You're right. I mean, and that's something Clifford's mentioned uh, at home, the defense in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think that fast start they got out to certainly helped them and allowed them to, you know, get out, get out in front. And now the Hawks are falling off. So that's helping them division wise. But they really can't afford to, to mess around too much longer here because, like we said, that schedule is getting super hard next week. And, you know, they gave themselves a little cushion, but they've, they've pretty much used up all of that. So it's time to get back to doing what was working prior to this. And I, I did read, uh, hopefully Marvin Williams, maybe what this week? I mean, what are we hearing on that? Marvin Williams, earliest he could return is Wednesday. So he will yeah. not play, obviously, in Dallas, but we should 
maybe get a little bit more of an update on Tuesday. So make sure you're subscribing to us on iTunes for the latest on his return. But yes, I think that's going to be key, especially as they look to these two Eastern Conference teams that they should beat. I mean, they should beat the Pistons. They should beat the Orlando Magic. I watched both of these teams play one another uh, last night, and they they certainly uh, gave each other a good run, but there are weaknesses in each team. Uh, You talk about Detroit. They're playing defense every other night, so they played defense well against the Hornets when when they were able to topple them here in Charlotte, and and they get another chance in Charlotte. It's it's weird to have a team visit you know, two times in a row. It's <laughs> it's kind of odd, but uh, yeah, they'll have another opportunity, a chance for revenge. Usually, it's teams getting revenge on the Hornets. Now the Hornets have to find that find that extra something within themselves to go out and get it, get revenge on another team. By the way, mentioning sort of the. Kemba Walker dependency on offense that the Hornets have. This is an interesting stat. Uh, 16 times this season, Kemba Walker has been the leading scorer. No other player on the team has more than one game where they were either tied for or had the the team high in scoring. Batum, Bellinelli, Kaminsky, Kid Gilchrist, and Lamb all have one game, and Kemba Walker was 16 games. That's... Yeah, I, th- I think, again, all you need to know. Kimba has had an, an amazing season, but it's time for some other guys to step up. Okay, that's all the time we have for this edition of Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and get us in your podcast feed every day because tomorrow we're going to have a recap of this Dallas game. And also, we will be live tomorrow night at 6 o'clock p.m., youtube.com forward slash Locked On Hornets. Come and join us because you can be part of the conversation. You can chat with us. We'll answer questions. We'll we'll respond to your comments. It's a really cool time, really fun time. If you're If you listen to the daily shows, uh, it, it's it's cool to come to the live show because it's a little more looser feel, a little more conversational, and we do some other things as well. Shoot us your Hornets questions, your thoughts to buzzbuzz at LockedOnHornets.com. For David, I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Beat the Mavericks. Let's swarm Charlotte. So what if I like to stay up late and watch TV? Don't play